Hello and welcome to the Stockout, a Memorial Day edition. Uh, this is a FreightWave show about CPG companies, supply chains, and CPG companies supply chains. So we're focused here on consumer goods. I'm your host, Mike Bowden-Distel of FreightWaves. Today, we're going to be talking about a number of stories that suggest that consumer behavior is all the way back to pre-pandemic levels. Consumers are ready to leave uh, the pandemic behind them, at least if you look at, at what they're doing. Uh, in addition, I'll talk about some recent trends in e-commerce and also some recent trends we're seeing throughout uh, food supply chains. But first, a word from our sponsor. Uh, our sponsor is Echo Global Logistics. Trust the experts at Echo Global Logistics for all your freight transportation and CPG shipping needs. Whether you are a Fortune 100 CPG company or a specialty food manufacturer, Echo has solutions to fit your needs. With their dedicated team, as well as Echo Ship, a self-service shipping portal allowing you to quote, book, ship, and track, Echo has you covered. Technology at your fingertips and experts by your side, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To find out how Echo can simplify your transportation management, visit www.echo.com forward slash CPG today. So big thanks to our sponsor, uh, Echo Global Logistics. Um, and on with uh, the program here. Uh, so this week, uh, th there weren't any uh, CPG companies that I know of that reported earnings. I think most of them have already reported earnings, but I did flag eight topics that I thought uh, were very important for, you know, companies in the, in the consumer space, you know, CPG companies and their supply chains. Um, and so I've got eight items on the list I'm going to discuss here. Uh, item number one is these FedEx surcharges. Uh, this was a, a article that um, you know, was posted on, on FedEx's uh, you know, website. It did a press release. In addition, uh, Mark Solomon, our, our journalist who covers the, the, the package companies, he, he wrote this up. And actually, uh, you know, Andrew Cox uh, talked about it on, on his uh, podcast, Great Quarter Guys. Um, but this is one that I think is important for CPG companies specifically because they've done so much lately in e-commerce and it's really exploded. Um, and so what happened here is FedEx increased peak surcharges. Yes, peak in uh, June. These start June 21st, which um, is not exactly uh, you know Christmas peak season, um, but uh, I, I guess things you know are, are different uh, this year. So they did they did this in three ways. Uh, the peak handling surcharges go from three dollars to three fifty. So what that basically means is if the, there are shipments on FedEx that present difficulty because they're an odd weight, dimension, shipping characteristics, et cetera, that's not you know real efficient for FedEx to move they're going to tack another 50 cent surcharge on top of the $3 they were already tacking on. Okay, so that goes from $3 to $3.50 uh, for peak handling. Uh, the one that I think is, is maybe the bigger deal for CPG companies is this residential delivery charge. This one doubles from $0.30 cents to $0.60 cents per package, um, which depending on what you're, what's being shipped to this person's house, that could be if it's a $5 item, and it's a pretty big deal. Um, so that's on each package and, you know, company shipping a lot of lots of packages that, that, that could be pretty significant. Uh, and then they're also increasing the package for ground economy. This is the, the segment that used to be called smart post that goes from 75 cents to a dollar. Um, and so that the one I think, you know, as I said, that people are probably concerned about in consumer space is this residential delivery charge doubling. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I think it has the potential to cut into, you know, the margins of companies that rely heavily on, you know, using, you know, FedEx for home delivery. I know, um, you know, Amazon doesn't use FedEx for, for home delivery, but a lot of, I think the smaller, you know, companies, you know, you know do that for things that are relatively time sensitive. Um, but this is, is somewhat counter to, 
you know, the recent trend in consumer space where uh, the CPG companies are trying to market directly to consumers, not having to go through that retail, you know, middleman, um, you know, help the, the consumer goods companies sort of control their own fate. And there's also been a big push uh, to have subscription-based services. Some of those have been pretty successful. A, a, you know, a couple of few have been acquired by some of the larger you know, CPG companies. You think about Unilever acquiring Dollar Shave Club a few years ago and Nestle acquiring Persona Vitamins as a direct-to-consumer uh, uh, personalized vitamin you know, service that, that gets shipped to you know, residences. Um, so that's, that's been a bigger trend here. Um, and you know, of, of late, uh, consumers have been you know, much more willing to buy their groceries online in addition to, to, to everything else. So um, you know, if you're a, a company that, that utilizes those services, you know, watch out for uh, those surcharges. And you know, this has cropped up as a lot of the, the parcel companies have, have demonstrated a deterioration in their uh, service levels, I mean, we did see from some of the parcel guys, you know, F FedEx in, uh, in in March through April, you know, 87% of their FedEx ground shipments arrived on time. That's versus 95% for, for for UPS. And then in April, it was 71% on time for FedEx versus 88% for UPS. And and basically, the volume of e-commerce, what we're all buying online, it far exceeds what any of these companies thought was going to happen. So uh, so people really took to, to e-commerce more so than they, they usually did. I mean, really, you, you tend to hear about, um, you know, occasionally these parcel companies struggling with fulfilling uh, orders on time, you know, during the holiday, you know, shipping season. I mean, the, the busiest day for, you know, package deliveries is usually about December 21st or 22nd, you know, a couple of few days before Christmas. And so this is unusual this time of year, like a lot of other things um, that, that we've seen. So, uh, you know, watch out for the, the, the peak uh, surcharges, you know, peak here in June. Second item here I have on the list is Amazon was hit Tuesday with an antitrust lawsuit by the District of Columbia, which is alleges the company blocks sellers from, mark, from on its marketplace from offering better deals elsewhere. And so what that means is that if I'm a company selling my products through Amazon, and let's say this product is $10, um, on Amazon, I can't sell it for $8 on, on Walmart or a competing uh, website. And, uh, you know, if you do that, uh, supposedly Amazon sends you a letter saying, you know, if you want to sell on Amazon, you need to have price parity, um, you know, with these other with these other websites. What we're not going to do essentially is allow companies to use Amazon as their showroom and then go buy it as a discount someone else and somewhere else. That's That's, you know, been contrary to what you know, a big part of what it seems like Amazon's strategy has been, you know, their strategy has been, you know, you go to a, a Best Buy or a store and, you, and you, use, you use that as the showroom and then you go and actually buy it on, 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 on Amazon. Um, so we'll see if this goes anyplace. I mean, it's potentially a positive for, you know, CPG companies if they are allowed to, you know, price discriminate in, in, in that way. Um, if this sort of gains more traction, I will say that this is just, uh, um, an allegation, a lawsuit in, uh, that violated DC law. So we're not talking about a, a huge number of uh, consumers right now, but if this were to gain traction, it, it could potentially be a positive for uh, CPG companies. Um, of course, not everyone is a believer that there's anything anti-competitive um, you know, about what, CP, what Amazon is doing to uh, you know, consumer goods companies. There was an analyst from Capital Alpha Partners that said, well, you know, really the problem with calling it anti-competitive is that it increases the competition by allowing the seller, third-party sellers to use Amazon 
um, you know, as a platform, um, you know, the, the, the companies would be, uh, you know, be less competitive. Amazon said, okay, we're only going to sell you know, our own products or certain products. And, and it's not a, an open marketplace where third parties uh, can sell. So, um, you know, that's a potential, you know, potential positive for CPG companies, but we'll see if that, that goes, you know, extends outside of the District of, of Columbia. Third item I have on the list is double digit freight rate increases are becoming more widespread. You know, we've heard about double digit contract rate increases in the, the truckload space. Um, and as we've sort of gone through the, the, the second quarter, we're about almost two thirds of the way, you know, through the second quarter at this point, we've heard more about double digit rate increases, um, you know, from uh, some of the transportation providers. We just, you know, it was just a good article on FreightWaves.com by uh, Todd Maiden, who, um, you know, like me, was a former analyst. And, you know, he talked about uh, what uh, J.B. Hunt had recently discussed with uh, uh, their intermodal con you know, containers. They uh, recently increased their order from 6,000 to 12,000 because they, they want to get more capacity uh, in, in, into their system um, and having, are having a hard time getting those, those containers delivered from China where they're manufactured. Um, and, and so th that sort of goes along with the fact that they're raising, you know, prices, they're raising prices, um, you know, sort, sort of, you know, across the board, really, although there's, there's particular tightness in the, the eastbound lanes from the, from the, the West Coast, those are sort of the, the sort of the head hall markets in intermodal and, you know, their contract rates are increasing, you know, double digit, double digit renewals, same thing with, you know, competitor hub group, which is also in that domestic uh, intermodal a space. So not great news for CPG companies, although we probably, you know, knew that that similar um, rate increases were, were coming. But I will say so far in the second quarter, I don't think uh, rate increases have surprised to the downside. They've been at least as, as high, if not higher than what people, uh, you know, were anticipating going into the second quarter. So that's not a great uh, news item for uh, CPG companies. The fourth item I have on the list is customers are consumers are shifting their spending to items related to socializing for the first time in a long time. So there was a good article um, in the Wall Street Journal called The Great American Cleanup, and they talked about, um, you know, the various items that consumers are buying uh, in, in more quantities now. And it's things like, you know, deodorant, you know, you would think that people would be buying that anyway, but, you know, teeth whitener, um, perfume, nail polish, sunscreen, you know, various beauty products, uh, things that, you know, con consumers would, would buy to present themselves to others uh, when they presumably go out uh, uh, during the Memorial Day weekend. It did see that 80% of people are planning to travel during the Memorial Day weekend, and that's versus, uh, you know, 80% not traveling uh, last year. So, um, you know, stands to reason there's probably going to be the worst traffic if you've ever seen uh, over Memorial Day weekend, that's probably going to be true of, of, of uh, 4th of July as well. Um, and then conversely, some of the products that are not selling well are things like baking goods, cleaning supplies, you know, Clorox says they think people are going to continue to their clear cleaning habits, you know, after the pandemic. We'll see some of the uh, retailers suggest that that's maybe not going to be the case. Um, and, and some of those those goods are, are, are way down after people bought them, you know, last year that are a little bit more for, for staying at home uh, type products. So, you know, all these CPG companies are struggling with uh, demand uh, forecasts and just how much, um, you know, consumer behavior is going to stick with their pandemic levels versus go all the way going back to pre-pandemic levels versus maybe overcorrecting and making up for lost time. Right at the moment, it seems like, um, you, you know, the, the vaccination rates, people have gotten more confident and, you know, even more so than maybe you would have expected 
a couple, you know, a couple, a few um, weeks or months ago. Um, so it does go also to one of the things I talked about uh, in one of the recent, you know, uh, episodes of the Stockout. You know, L'Oreal, you know, has has talked about well, maybe we're going to have a big, you know, makeup party like the nineteen, you know, twenties where, um, you know, makeup sales were going gangbusters. It, it, it seems almost like we're on that on that track. Item number five: uh, corn futures hit one month low amid concerns about abundant supply. So this is um, a reversal of a lot of things I talked about recently. I mean, I've talked a lot about inflation and in, in recent episodes of the, of the, the stock out. And there's, you know, I, I do think there's tremendous inflation throughout uh, supply chains, uh, you know, right now. Um, and I, I talked, you know, recently about, you know, are, are some of these uh, inflationary trends transitory versus permanent? Um, the corn uh, future decline, which was down 5.6% on Tuesday and down 15% from its high on May 7th, that may be one that's a little bit more transitory in nature, which could be a reprieve for CPG companies that um, deal in food uh, specifically. And uh, the, the, the corn futures decline on Tuesday of 5.6%. Uh, that was in response to a USDA um, article or report that was, that was published that said uh, U.S. farmers planted 90% of their corn acres that they had uh, ahead of the five-year average of, of 80%. So 90 versus 80%, that makes sense. Um, you know, when prices are high, uh, farmers will, will plant more corn, increasing the supply, bringing down prices. I think that still surprised the, the market, though, um, that, that it would be you know, increased to that degree. But uh, you know, nevertheless, corn futures are up 95% uh, versus a year ago, and they're still up 28% in 2021, there's lots of pressure, um, you know, pushing, keeping prices high, you know, despite that recent pullback. One of those things is China is buying a tremendous amount of corn from its trading partners, including, you know, U.S. Um, and a part of that is an effort to rebuild their uh, hog population that has been, you know, decimated from the African swine uh, fever. Um, and then as people, you know, travel more, um, you know, motor fuel uses a lot of corn as, as well in those, in those blends. So, so a couple of things that they're, they're really going to keep, I think uh, the corn price is elevated, but maybe you get a little bit of a, of a, of a reprieve uh, there. I should also mention that the Canadian railroads as well as the U.S. railroads have been moving record volumes of grain, um, you know, westbound to the, the West Coast ports of, you know, Seattle, Tacoma, as well as, uh, you know, Vancouver. Item number six, food supply chains are strained for restaurants. So this is somewhat reads like a reversal of what we talked about um, at the beginning of the pandemic, where there was a shortage of you know, food for, for groceries, and we had too many uh, you know, sort of getting rid of uh, kegs of beer that were spoiling but didn't have enough you know, bottles. We're sort of having the reverse situation now, where uh, the restaurants are the ones that are short on um, you know, supplies. Uh, restaurants have really been surprised the past six weeks that demand has come back faster than, than, than they would have anticipated. So people are, are feeling confident once they've gotten that vaccine. Uh, some of the companies have ever reported, you know, shortages of raw materials or they're not having enough, you know, chicken. I mean, chicken wings have been in short supply. You know, pepperoni has been in short supply, some of those, some of those items. And so what this means for CPG companies that probably just, uh, you know, deal with 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 grocery and, and big box retailers is it does show that a lot of their demand um, that they that they took advantage of during the pandemic, I think a lot of that is going away and it's going back to to people that are up to, 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 to uh, restaurants as, as people you know go out more. Um, and so I think that's a negative for CPG companies demand. I think it will make it easier to 
uh, you know, keep their products um, you know, in stock, but it does seem kind of in general that um, you know, people are going back to their pre-pandemic lives a little bit faster than maybe um, they thought possible uh, you know, before. You know, seventh item on the list is here, I think is an interesting one. It's the US initiates trade dispute against the Canadian dairy industry. So uh, the Biden administration initiates a dispute process against the Canadian dairy industry, uh, triggering the formal mechanism of the USMCA for the first time. So this is, you know, USMCA uh, was sort of basically the, the new, you know, NAFTA, um, you know, basically an agreement, you know, in, in North America to, uh, you know, you know, basically a free trade, you know, type agreement. And what U.S. is alleging here is that there is essentially a quota uh, for Canadian, you know, dairy that you know, basically Canada is going to, you know, use Canadian producers for a certain percentage of their of their dairy, and and um, that's you know allegedly in violation of the USMCA. I mean, I think this will be an interesting one to watch um, because uh, this is the first time that uh, this. Um, you know, plan is this has been tested, you know, with these procedures. So it could set a precedent for, you know, other types of uh, disputes. And uh, the Canadian dairy protection was one of the key sticking points, um, you know, of the, the USMCA agreement in 2018. Um, so uh, we'll see what, what, what happens there. But I think that has, you know, pretty you know, big implications, um, you know, for, you know, the, the, the price of dairy, if it's a situation where, you know, the U.S. producers can't sell as much in Canada as they want to, you know, maybe that, you know, depresses, you know, prices a little bit, um, you know, for, for, for U.S. buyers. So I think you could have, you know, implications for, you know, CPG companies and their supply chains. I mean, you do see a lot of the, the confectionery, you know, companies is just sort of one example of, of companies that use, uh, you know, dairy in their supply chain for, for things like, you know, milk, milk chocolate. The eighth item I have on the list, this is sort of going back to the e-commerce, you know, trend is, uh, you know, grocers are supposedly losing money on home delivery, um, which is, of course, uh, unsustainable. This was in one of the, the trade rags. Um, and basically, uh, the profit margin on groceries is, is thin, as we all know. It's typically uh, 2 to 5%. I mean, even it's probably typically maybe closer to that, that 2% level. So there's not a lot of uh, room to absorb um, you know, extra, extra costs. And, you know, just earlier we talked about how there's, there's, you know, if you were to use FedEx, there's a, there's a surcharge there for home deliveries because home deliveries are less efficient. You know, other uh, delivery companies are probably going to have something, you know, similar, uh, you know, there as, as, as well. And what the, the grocery strategy has sort of been to, you know, gain market share, get uh, uh, consumers in the habit of getting their groceries delivered online. Um, and then, uh, you know, from there, uh, they'll figure out a way how to make how to make those profitable, and, and so I think what's going to happen here is you're going to see more automation automation for things like you know picking orders, packing orders, all these things to reduce labor costs. I mean, labor costs are, are, are one thing that is certainly um, in, inflationary, um, you know, specifically for some of these lower paying you know positions that you know grocery you know companies offer and various food companies you know offer. So. There's going to be more automation there, but uh, also it's going to be something that the grocers are going to are going to have to figure out. It's it seems like the consumers are more willing to get their groceries delivered, but the question remains: Are they willing to pay for that convenience, or is it something that they're going to expect um, the grocers to absorb? Which you know at some point they just, they just aren't going to absorb that because it's a low margin uh, you know business. So I think that's something to to keep sort of keep an eye on um, is is what's going to happen there and. Uh, those are the eight uh, 
things this week that caught my attention in uh, the world of CPG companies and supply chains. If there are others that you think I missed, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, email is uh, mbowdendistal at freightwaves.com. And uh, feel free to um, you know, write me an email anytime or to sign up for the FreightWaves um, Stockout uh, newsletter, which uh, you can sign up for that at www.freightwaves.com forward slash uh, the stockout. Um, but with that, I wish everyone um, uh, a safe and happy uh, Memorial Day weekend um, and uh, talk to you uh, next week.